to Freshly Forever, a podcast that gives you fascinating insights week after week. Here's your host, Vai Kumar. I'm here today with Hannah Tester. She is a sustainability advocate, international and TEDx speaker, author and founder of Hannah for Change, an organization dedicated to fighting issues that impact the planet. Hannah is a vegan who enjoys healthy living and loves to share her passion with others. She excels at partnering with businesses and government to influence them to develop more sustainable practices. Hannah has received numerous awards, including the Teen Earth Day Hero by CNN, the Young Superhero for Earth Award by Captain Planet, the Action for Nature International Young Eco Hero Award, the Gloria Barron Prize, and many others. She is a board member, advisor, and youth ambassador for several organizations. Most importantly, Hannah is the author of the book Taking on the Plastics Crisis. She has also appeared in a number of newspapers, books, and magazines across the world. I am super excited to welcome Hannah to the show. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to Freshly Forever. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. You have been doing a lot of work relating to the environment, and I just am super thrilled about whatever you're doing. So I felt the voice of youth certainly matters, and how you are transforming the world, uh, you know, one cause at a time is something that I thought would be a great topic and point of discussion here. So when do you think you started being an environmental activist, Hannah? And as far as memory could tell, what was it that brought about an initiation in this fear? I definitely grew up loving animals and the planet. And that's definitely something my parents installed in me at a young age to appreciate nature and spend time outdoors. And I'm so grateful that I grew up uh, with those experiences. And around the age of 10 was when I first started learning about endangered animal species. And it broke my heart uh, as a fourth grader to learn that the animals that I loved could go extinct during my lifetime. Uh These animals that have roamed the earth for millions of years. And I knew I had to do something. So I started going online and I found which organizations were helping to protect the endangered animals I cared about. And I chipped in to help and I started working on their campaigns, collecting petitions, doing fundraisers, uh, doing drives to collect items and donate them. And eventually I started my organization, Hannah for Change, to create my own projects, campaigns and events about the issues that I care about. And just through work through endangered animal species, I started learning about environmental issues because of their impact on animals. And around the age of 11, that's when I shifted my focus more on environmental issues and mainly the issue of plastic pollution. And I haven't stopped since. Um, I'm 18 years old now. So for the past seven years, I've really focused on environmental issues. Um, but also, I do still do animal rights issues as well. But I mainly talk about plastic pollution and its impact on our oceans and our own health as well. Oh, uh, that is just fascinating. It seems like, you know, you're really passionate about animal welfare other than, 
you know, the plastic side of it, which we are going to cover in detail. It also seems like you took this up very early on in your life. Um, how have you transformed or made the situation better for animals to be treated right? I know you were involved in bills at the state level, federal level. Can you tell us about that? Of course. So I've also done a lot of work in the policy side of things. That's also one of my passions. Uh, and so I and I introduced a bill here in the state of Georgia where I live, um, a statewide bill to ban uh, the buying and selling of different animal products, mainly elephant tusks, rhino horns, and shark fins here in the state of Georgia. Unfortunately, that bill did not pass, uh, but I did introduce that in the state of Georgia. And since then, I've lobbied for uh, the national shark finning bill uh, with senators and representatives in my state of Georgia. And I've also just worked on a lot of campaigns regarding animal rights issues. I'm also a vegan, so I do some campaigns focused on that. I was part of the Million Dollar Vegan campaign back in 2020, which was a campaign to try and get more people to partake in Veganuary, which is um, going vegan for the month of January. And for every person that committed to going vegan for the whole month, we were able to donate $1 to an animal sanctuary. And so we got over $400,000 to donate towards animal sanctuaries. Oh, that's fabulous. And uh, I think you'll be very happy here uh, to know that I'm a vegan myself. And my daughter, who's your age, uh, she is a competitive tennis player, but she eats vegan also. So I can just completely relate to um, whatever you're doing on that front and how much you enjoy veganism. And thank you for your efforts on that front. Thank you. And February 15, 2018 uh, happens to be a very remarkable day and a memorable day for you. What makes it so significant and what from that day is vivid in your memory still? Yeah, so for most people, February 15th is any other ordinary day. But for me, uh, it's very important. Uh, Back in 2017, I declared February 15th as Plastic Pollution Awareness Day in the state of Georgia which was the first event of Uh its kind. And um, I was 14 years old at the time working with a Republican state senator to declare this day. We had over 90 global organizations that were supporting this effort. And it was seen all across the world, uh, this initiative that I started here in Georgia. And now there's young people in other states trying to recreate the day where they live as well. And it was also a great way to inspire other young people to get involved in policy. Um, It was a great introduction for them to see, oh, I don't have to be a voting age to get involved in policy. I don't have to be an adult um, or even a politician. I can do something even now in school. So uh, Uh I was able to get a lot of other young people to join me in that effort. A lot of um, artwork from young people um, were there. I had a room in the Capitol to educate people about plastic pollution and why we're even having a plastic pollution awareness day. And so that was a huge success. And I had so much fun doing it. And so many people all across the world are able to learn about plastic pollution, even though it was just declared here in the state of Georgia. And even though it was a huge success, I also faced some challenges. Um, Challenges are inevitable, but um, unfortunately, the plastic industry wanted to stop my day and stop the work that I was doing. But fortunately, I was able to compromise and still have the day. But the crucial thing that I had to sacrifice 
was speaking on the Senate floor, which was something that I really wanted to do and have that opportunity to address all the decision makers of my home state. And the following year, I recreated the day and I was fortunate to get that opportunity. So February 15th of 2018 was when I got to address all the state senators about plastic pollution and how important it is to have government action on these issues and specifically on plastic pollution. And that moment is very pivotal pivotal for me. And I mentioned this in my TED talk that I was sitting on the side of the room waiting for my turn to speak. And there was another adult speaking before me and no one was paying any attention to her. And I felt so heartbroken that I've worked so hard to get here. And I was so encouraged and so motivated to be here. And all that hard work I felt like was going to go to waste, that none of these politicians were going to listen to what I had to say. But I still you know, got up on that podium and spoke about plastic pollution. And after a couple of uh-huh. sentences, there was silence. And every senator had their eyes on me and was listening to what I had to say. And that was a very monumental moment for me. And it really resonated with me that young people have voices and we are being heard. And it's so important for young people to speak up on these issues, especially because many adults and a lot of these decision makers don't hear from young people enough. They're still, we're still their constituents. We need to talk to our representatives and tell them what we want them to do for us, what bills and legislation we want them to support. So February 15th is very, very important um, to me and also important to a lot of other young people, especially people in the plastic pollution space. Oh, yes. Um, Right there, the message is very impactful that young people need not fear or worry about anything. All they need to focus on is their cause. And uh, I can imagine how you must have felt when the adult in the room wasn't Mm -hmm. listened to, but I think... Certainly, your message and your cause seem to uh, seems to have had um, its due impetus. And hats off to you for that. Thank you. Um, so, what made you take up the cause of this plastic crisis? And was it something that happened during one of your vacation trips? What What was it that prompted you to do it? I first learned about plastic pollution mainly with my work with uh, different organizations and work with animal rights issues. I was hearing a bit about plastic pollution, but I didn't really know enough about the issue. And uh-huh. I, you know, I, if I went out, I would see, you know, litter on the ground and I'd pick it up when I could, but I didn't really understand what plastic pollution was or why it was so important. And it wasn't until I watched a documentary called Plastic Paradise. And that documentary uh-huh. is really what opened my eyes to the issue. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. How was nobody talking about this? And this was back when I was 11 years old, so around six, seven years ago. Plastic pollution wasn't a very mainstream topic, and most people didn't even know anything about it. So I knew I had to do something about plastic pollution because it's something that we use plastic every day. It surrounds our lives, and there's solutions that are easily accessible and obtainable if we work for it. So I knew that I had to speak up and educate people on these issues because I felt an immense amount of guilt once I learned about plastic pollution. I started thinking of all the plastic that I've used in my lifetime, and I knew that I had to step up and educate other people too so they can join me in this effort because like most people, 
we don't want to be a part of the problem. We just don't know how to be a part of the solution. So ever since I've made it my mission to educate people on the, these global issues and mainly on plastic pollution, why it's such a big problem in the first place, like why people should care, but also the solutions and how we can get involved and help create a better world. Oh, um, I think what you are trying to do or whatever you have accomplished so far on that front is uh, certainly fascinating and it's inspiring. Um, I know you were in Hawaii and uh, that was exactly, you know, what I was uh, uh, trying to see, you know, if that vacation trip, you know, you, I know you you probably did something, yeah. you know, based on based on my uh, research about you. I know there was something significant that yeah. happened in that Yeah, trip. I went to Hawaii about two years ago and I went with two a couple of my friends and we did a beach cleanup on a beach in Hawaii that actually is closed off from the public. So all of the plastic that was on the beach all washed ashore. Nobody left it there because it's a private beach. Uh-huh. And there's probably around a total of 15 of us. We spent a couple of hours cleaning up the beach and we had around 500 pounds of plastic from this small section of the beach that we cleaned up. And it oh, was gosh. all kinds of plastic that you can imagine, every color, every size, every type of plastic and there's even sea turtles that were sleeping on the beach that we were cleaning up and that were laying on top of plastic. It was, I think, really eye-opening, especially for me, because I talk a lot about plastic pollution and ocean conservation, but I don't live by the ocean. So I don't see it firsthand like a lot of people I do live on the coast. So for me to be there and physically see how much this plastic is having an impact on just this ecosystem here alone on this one beach, let alone all the coastlines all across the world. So was the documentary that you watched and plus what you uh, watched in person on this trip, uh, something that became highly relevant to you in terms of what you needed to do more on this front? Definitely. Once I started, you know, learning about the issue and also seeing it firsthand, it definitely fired, fired me up to do something about it and educate people on it. Because there are, like I said, easy solutions, things that we can do in our own daily lives, but also things that we can do to pressure businesses um, or government bodies to take action on. Okay. Um, So what challenges did you foresee when you embarked on this mission or cause? Uh, Or did you not see any, given you were very young and, you know, you you have just been so enthusiastic all along about this mission that you probably didn't see what some of these adults may uh, may just, you know, bring in terms of, you know, whatever challenges lay ahead of mm-hmm. you? I knew that not everything would be easy, but I don't think I anticipated what would happen, the challenges that I would face. I think I always thought that I was doing the right thing and everyone would agree with me, but I've learned a uh-huh. lot along the way that you won't always find people that agree with you and don't think like you. So that was harder for me to understand, especially when it comes to issues like our planet and animals, that not everyone's going to agree with you on those things. And also learning that some adults will try to diminish me just because of my age. They don't think I'm educated enough or know enough about the issues. So those were not something I definitely anticipated and something that I had to learn to overcome. But also just, I had some internal challenges as well, like burnout, uh, trying to overwork myself and do as much as I can well Uh you know it's hard (laughs) Uh, I always want to do as much as possible for these issues I care about but 
it could take a big toll on you. So whether it's like external challenges like other people or just internal challenges, I've definitely focused on, you know, working on myself and focusing on my own mental health, but also surrounding myself with a strong support system that can uplift me when I'm not feeling well. And I always talk about finding your why, uh, finding mm-hmm. your purpose. And for me, my why for what I do is that I want to live on a planet that doesn't need protected anymore. Everyone's why is going to be different, but once you have your why and you can keep referring to it, that's going to give you the motivation to go through all these challenges that you're going through and push you through um, and motivate you to just keep going. Yeah, absolutely. I think passion is one, but then, you know, all these uh, internal and external factors, um, overcoming them, balancing everything. I think, you know, you seem to have uh, just navigated through it really well. Um, So what role do you think this plastic crisis is going to play as far as climate change? Plastic pollution does play a huge role in climate change. Around 99% of plastic is actually made from fossil fuels. So the more single-use plastic that we're consuming and demanding is going to have a heavier reliance on the fossil fuel industry, um, requiring more fossil fuels uh, to be uh, extracted. So Mm -hmm. since climate change has really been on the front of everyone's minds, the fossil fuel industries are starting to shift their agenda from, you know, fracking for oil and gas, uh, but for like energy and ethane, um, but instead using it for plastics. We use around 5% of, of oil for plastics right now, but by 2050, it's projected to increase to 20%. And we produce over 300 million pounds of plastic every single year, which is crazy mm-hmm. to think about. That's such a large number. I can't even fathom that. But the extraction, production, transportation, incineration, all of those contribute to climate change. They all release greenhouse gases such as methane and carbon dioxide. So we're seeing a large impact. Actually, over all the plastic production that's happening is equal to 200 coal-fired power plants, all the greenhouse gases that we're emitting. So Mm -hmm. there's a huge connection between the two. And I think a lot of times we see them as two very separate issues, but they're very much interlinked and interconnected. And plastic pollution is a huge contributor to climate change. And a lot of people don't even realize it. So I've definitely seen a shift in just the plastic pollution space, all the other activists realizing that we need to talk more about this. A lot of people know a bit about climate change, know a bit about plastic pollution, uh, but they're very much interconnected. Yeah, I mean, all the carbon dioxide emission and such, you know, it's like so detrimental. So if you were to highlight uh, the areas of impact that human beings are perhaps not realizing and whatever is detrimental to one's health, what would those be, Hannah? Definitely plastic pollution, plastic's impact on human health. We talk a lot about the pollution side of it, like the after we use it, it ending up in the ocean and impacting animals, but it's also having an impact on humans all across the globe. Every 30 seconds, someone in a developing country dies from a disease caused by plastic pollution and waste. And we are surrounded by plastic and plastic leaches toxins mm. and chemicals into our bodies and we don't even realize it. It's, we know that it's having a huge impact on marine life and we are eating the seafood from the ocean. We are eating around five grams of plastic every week. That's about the size of a credit card. And 
that's from all the seafood and salt we're eating as well as just from our drinking water and um, I think beer as well. So we've already seen it in our bodies. And even uh, back in December, scientists have said that they found microplastics, like small particles of plastic in human placentas just recently. It's being found in human organs and it's been linked to things like hormone disruption, endocrine disruptors. Um, It's a possible carcinogenic and many people don't even realize it. So um, there's also been a shift to talk about the health impacts because when you talk about you know, things happening in the ocean and it's far away, people are more disconnected, but this is something happening to all of us as we speak. Yeah. I mean, um, you touched upon, um, you know, how plastics, you know, just, uh, leach into what we eat and, you know, all of that. And most people leave plastic water bottles in hot cars Mm -hmm. and they don't even realize how detrimental and carcinogenic that can be. Um, so I think you, um, being so young, you know, you realize it, but there are very many adults Mm. out there that do not realize that. And I think the shift to, um, sustainable products is, uh, highly Mm -hmm. significant and important. Um, You touched upon, uh, impact on pregnant women and fetuses. Mm. And Mm. that's also, you know, something, uh, really eye-opening there, Hannah, because, most people don't realize, you know, what we consume, mm. you know, like goes all the way. And it's just, it's just so hard to even fathom, but uh, that's all, you know, mm. so, so relevant, mm. whatever you're doing. And um, I know there was a bill in U.S. Congress that was introduced in 2020, and you were instrumental in voicing your opinion on that along with other activists. So what was that bill about? Yeah, so the National Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act was introduced February of last year, just before all the COVID, Uh (laughs) before the pandemic breakout. Mm -hmm. So I did go to the U.S. Capitol and I spoke at the introduction for that bill with other activists and members of Congress uh, to try and get more people to support the bill, um, as it was introduced in February. But the National Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act is the very first national bill that is talking about plastic pollution, um, which is a great first step. It's very uh, long overdue, but it's a great mm-hmm. first step. And actually, there there's a second part of the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act coming out later this year. Um, so definitely keep a lookout for that. But um, what the bill, at least last year's version was, um, as a quick summary, what it would do is it would ban certain types of single-use plastic products like takeout bags, um, but it would also, the main part of it would require the producers of these plastics uh, to be more responsible for after-consumer use, uh, like putting more money into the waste management of it or having um, uh-huh. places to return like in other states where you can put in like um, bring back like plastic water bottles and get like a, some sense back. Um, so having initiatives like that just to encourage less of this plastic waste ending up in our landfills and overfilling them or ending up in our waterways and into our oceans. It's great that people uh, so young uh, like you are taking to such initiatives at the barest minimum. What is it mm-hmm. that you would tell people to kind of stop doing, you know, in terms of uh, their switch to um 
how they can switch to sustainable mm-hmm. products and, you know, what they should avoid. You touched upon, you know, reusable mm-hmm. or rather, you know, like you touched upon uh, the need to eradicate plastic mm-hmm. bags and things like that. And I know you're big into sustainable products and offer greener alternatives for people to use. And uh, there's even uh, discount codes on your website, hannaforchange.com. So can you talk about all of that? Of course. Yeah, on my website, I do have a tab called uh, Sustainable Alternatives. And um, it's a it's a section of my website that has all the brands that I love that have missions focused on ending plastic pollution, um, or at least doing their part uh-huh. within their own businesses. And they all sell sustainable products uh, that can help people shift away from plastics. And um, there's also discount codes included in there as well. I just wanted to have a central spot for people to go to that don't know where to start or don't know where to find good products because there's a lot out there. There's also a lot of greenwashing out there. Um, So it's so important to find businesses and brands that truly care about these issues and have a strong mission uh, to focus on these issues. So um, that's actually my website. Highly encourage people to check that out. Um, But to start off, the easiest thing to do is to stop using single-use plastics as much as possible. Um, sometimes, you know, we don't even realize certain things are single-use plastics. So and sometimes you just have to reflect sometimes and think about more often throughout your day, like, oh, this is plastic and this is plastic. And think about ways that you can switch them out. Oftentimes we talk about plastic bags or straws or plastic bottles. Those are great ways, great things to start off um, and switching with reusable items, but there's also things that we don't realize like polyester in our clothing. Um, so something as simple as not buying polyester clothing or buying foods in bulk or plastic free if possible and checking your cosmetics to have less packaging and uh, plastic exfoliants in them that we wash down the drain. Mm-hmm. But we also vote with our wallets every day. It's so important to support businesses that are doing good and have a mission to do good and are not focused on greenwashing, trying to trick you into thinking that, you know, they care about the planet, but really their initiatives are very weak or misleading. Uh, so definitely be on the lookout for that. But you want to support businesses doing good and don't support businesses that are not aligned with your mission. Um, and if you want to take it a step further, you can also like write letters uh, to business leaders, asking them to transition to more sustainable practices. Um, you can reach out to representatives to support bills. Um, or even testify on legislation pieces. There's always a lot of things that everyone could be doing. Um, and those are just a couple of things that I always recommend for people. But the best place to start is to educate yourself as much as you can on the issue, become a mini expert on it. Um, so then you can go educate others. A lot of times it's just individuals um, communicating and um, spreading knowledge within our own network. And then they can do it within their network, uh, just spreading the word as much as possible so that more and more people can get involved. Oh, yes. Uh, fantastic message there, Hannah. I think bringing one's own shopping bag to the grocery store um, and then refilling their water bottles uh, using, you know, like a glass or stainless steel, whatever that may be, I think those are all great steps and eliminating the plastic straws. I think right mm-hmm. there, those three things can make for a huge change and something that's simple and easy for any human being to uh, adopt in their daily lifestyle. That's fantastic. Um, How has whatever you advocate for impacted how 
you um, eat and how you have tweaked your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I know we started talking about your veganism. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what literally caused you to become one? Okay. Yeah. So I first became a vegetarian probably when I was around the age of seven. I stopped eating all seafood and meat because uh-huh. I love animals and I didn't want to eat my friends anymore. And as I grew older, um, it was about three years ago, um, I started learning about veganism, but I went to an animal rights conference talking about animal rights issues. And a lot of people were talking about veganism. And we went to a pig vigil that night. And what that is, is um, you go to the slaughterhouses where the trucks are pulling up and you give the animals their water and love before they go in. Because oftentimes they've never received a kind human hand or uh, many times when they're traveling on these trucks for days, they don't get food or water. So Uh it's not a protest because we know we cannot stop these trucks. It's not possible to uh, make sure they don't go in, but it's like a kind demonstration of just showing love and compassion towards these animals. And I was, it was a very emotional day for me. I was so overwhelmed with emotions. Oh, I it was, yeah, it was, it was so heartbreaking. And just seeing them, seeing the fear in their eyes, it was so heartbreaking. And I remember the last truck, there was one pig that screamed the whole way in. And even though I've never eaten pig due to my own religious beliefs, I didn't want to contribute to this anymore. Not for pigs, not for cows, chickens. I knew I didn't want to be a part of it anymore. Um, so since that moment, I decided I wanted to go vegan, mainly for the animals. And But through that, I started learning about how going on a vegan lifestyle or just consuming less animal products, how much of an impact that has on our environment. And through my work through plastic pollution, I've learned a lot about you know seafood and the plastics that were eating through the seafood we're eating um, and some of the chemicals and things like mercury uh, that we're eating mm-hmm. a lot of through our seafood. So I always encourage people to just reduce the amount of animal products they're eating and try more vegan foods. Um, you don't have to go fully vegan. That was just the journey that I ended up taking. Um, but I always encourage people to at least take that step and get out of your comfort zone a little bit um, and really see the enjoyment of eating a lot more plant-based foods. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, I'm pescatarian. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not eating core meat as mm-hmm. much. Uh, but like you said, there's so much in the fish and mm-hmm. um, plastics get into food like fish and uh, uh, it impacts health. health. And uh, right there, you know, like you brought up a great point. And so when exactly did you switch to being vegan altogether? Yeah, it was about three years ago was when I went to that pig vigil and I decided then and there that I was going to fully change from um, being like a vegetarian to vegan. Um, Mm -hmm. I cut out all milk and egg products um, in my life and I've been keeping up with it ever since and I've absolutely loved it and I've had such a greater appreciation I think for food as well. Um, I've spent a lot more time in the kitchen with my mom and we try out a lot more uh, mm-hmm. different recipes and experimenting and uh, I've definitely grown a greater appreciation for it. Do you miss anything uh, transitioning I, to being a vegan? I don't actually and I do get that question fairly often but there's so many like vegan alternatives like um, vegan versions of different products so anything that I did miss 
I can find vegan versions of it or make um, make a re- vegan version of it. Um, but I think just because I've been doing it for so long, and especially I've been vegetarian for so long that I've never really missed like meat. Um, I'd rather have like a black bean burger than like a beef burger ever since I was little. So there hasn't been really anything I missed. Um, but there's also just so much great um, technology that has come in the past couple of years. Um, and it's so much more widespread. Like you're seeing places like Starbucks and uh, Burger King adopting more plant-based options, which is incredible. Yes, that is definitely a huge shift. And mm-hmm. I think um, people in their teenage years and youth saying constantly that, hey, I don't really miss anything. And it's not anything forced on them. It's a conscious decision that Mm -hmm. the individuals take for themselves, shifting to being vegan, or at Mm -hmm. least at the very least being vegetarian or minimizing the amount of meat or fish that they eat. And uh, um, I think, you know, definitely that was something that I totally expected. (laughs) Back in a moment with our guest, on Fresh Leaf Forever. Uh, people don't realize even using the microwave and using plastics in them, how it impacts their health. So do you want to say anything yeah. on that? Yeah, just briefly. And I know you mentioned earlier, like water bottles and cars and having them and then drinking that. Just like going back to the health implications when you like heat up or cool uh, plastics, that's when it starts leaching toxins into mm-hmm. whatever it's in. Um, so that's why like if you have plastic containers and you put um, certain dishes in it, they'll stain that color um, because plastic is kind of porous. It'll um, leach stuff in, but it also takes stuff in. So that's how they get that like tainted color. Um, so some of the biggest no-nos is like microwaving any plastic because that's when it releases the most. Um, such as like, you know, having a water bottle in a car. Um, But even things as like freezing stuff in plastic um, also has similar implications as well. So whenever possible, try and uh, never microwave plastic wherever possible. And instead of having like plastic containers or uh, plastic bowls or dishes um, or plates that you microwave, instead use ceramics or use glass containers instead. That's a good message. I think... uh... You have spoken on my behalf too, right there. And Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for doing that. And out of the several awards and media appearances, Hannah, which one means the most to you? That's a tough question because I am super grateful for all the experiences that I have had. But I think one that definitely sticks out to me was when I was on CNN. That was when I had the first plastic pollution awareness day mainly Uh because that's something that I've grown up watching and my family has grown up watching. My grandpa in England, um, he's always watching CNN and that's something that actually taught him to learn English when he moved to England. And for him to see me on CNN was, I think, such an incredible moment for my family. Um, It was really the first global platform that I was really on that reached a global audience And so that's something that I think really stuck with me because it really was really important for my family. It's something that, you know, we really cherish and we still talk about to this day. So I'd probably say my future on CNN. Oh, great. You travel a lot. 
uh, out of the country, even as uh, a child, was any of that instrumental in whatever you saw outside or the global practices that also may have had an impact on all the good things that you're doing today? I do travel a lot. I do go to England a lot because that's where mm-hmm. one of my mom's side of the family is. But even just growing up, we've always loved to travel and explore the world and um, see other cultures and experience their cultures and just have a greater appreciation for other people and their experiences and their cultures. So I've really just grown up with that. And I know that not everybody gets those opportunities, but I've always been super grateful um, to have those opportunities. And I've definitely learned a lot from them too. And I think that's definitely made me a better ally um, and a better listener, I think as well, um, to see the struggles that all kinds of people go through. But I think it also made me realize that we all have a lot more in common than we have different, especially in our world today. There's a lot of polarization and we're either one side or the other and we struggle to agree on anything. But when it really comes down to it, we have so much in common and it just takes the time to listen to what other people have to say and listen to their sides of the story. I think that's when we'll really see a lot more unity. You know what? You have absolutely left me dumbfounded (laughs) by what you said right there. As an 18-year-old, you have echoed what I have felt as a parent of a soon-to-be 18-year-old. Because I always say this, I think we have a lot more in common as the very nice way you put that across. But I always say where humans exist, everything is the same. And Mm -hmm. like I said, I immigrated into the country, but I feel even in the different festivals that we celebrate across cultures and in so many other things we do, there's so much in common. Mm -hmm. So it's very important for people to realize that we are all in everything together and we may call things differently. We may do things slightly Mm -hmm. differently, but we are all trying to address the same cause. And It's actually so amazing to me that even the festivals that everyone celebrates, it all aligns and the theme Mm -hmm. as such definitely aligns around the same time of the year. So that's fascinating. (laughs) And there's something you feel you would have done differently looking back? I would definitely say that all of my experiences have definitely shaped me to the person that I am today. So I don't know if I'd change anything, but I think looking back, I would definitely very once I really got involved I just became so engrossed into the work that I cut out a lot of my friends and family because all I wanted to do was my activism and that's Uh what eventually led to my burnout and um, it took me several months to really recover from it and um, I did learn a lot from it so I am grateful in a sense that I had that opportunity and was able to realign what's important to me and how to better manage my time and my energy. Um, But I think looking back, I wish I knew those lessons before then. (laughs) So that wouldn't have happened in the first place. But Uh uh, that was definitely something that was hard um, to understand where to draw the line. Where do I say no to upcoming opportunities? Because I can't do everything. I can't be everywhere at the same time. Uh Um, So that was definitely something from a young age, you know, I had to learn and not everybody that at the age that I did so it was definitely a learning process a lot of um, a lot of ups and downs and pros and cons but 
I'm grateful that I did have the opportunity and it shaped me to the person I am today. Oh, perfect. And so I know you talked about burnout. How is it that you balance school and uh, all that you do? I know somewhere that must have been a factor too, because uh, being a good student, I know you are an honor student mm-hmm. and you're a great student. And so I think that must have been one of the factors, you know, involved in the burnout. And it seems mm-hmm. like you wanted to be involved in everything and your passion, you know, made you want to do things, you know, one after another. And, oh, I just want to accomplish this right away type mm-hmm. of feeling. So yeah. I can understand. And um, so how is it that you ended up balancing school and all that you do? Yeah, crazy enough, my sophomore year, I'll use sophomore year as an example because junior year ended early because of the pandemic. I missed around uh-huh. like 50 days of school my sophomore year. Um, a lot of it just due to traveling um, for speaking engagements or conferences or different campaigns I was working on. So I did miss a ton of school pre-pandemic. So I definitely took some time, especially in my burnout, to reevaluate how to better manage my time and what's most important to me. And so I realized that for me, school is more important. I want to focus on my education and get good grades because I'm so grateful to have the educational opportunities I do have. And I want to make sure that I still am pushing myself academically and doing good in my classes, um, but still doing you know, the activism that I love doing. So whenever I get home, I always try and get my schoolwork done first and make sure that I'm caught up in school. Um, and that's, then after that, I focus on my activism and focus on my meetings, my calls, my planning. Um, but then I always make sure I carve out time for friends and family and just connecting back to the people that are my support system and make sure that. I don't burn myself out again, taking time to do the things that I do enjoy, whether it is just, you know, sitting and spending time with my own thoughts or um, just scrolling through social media online, just taking little pauses as well. So I don't, I'm not constantly overworking myself, but I've definitely started doing a lot more planning and uh, writing out my things to do for the day and better organize my time to make sure that I get everything done that I want to get done throughout the day. It's a good thing. And I'm glad that you uh, figured out that balance. So what is your plan going forward and where do you see yourself in the next three to five years? Yeah, so as a senior, I'm going to graduate in May. So I applied to several colleges and I don't know where I'm going yet. I'll find out in like March, April, but I want to pursue environmental studies um, and sustainability and mainly with a focus on like legislation and policy. Um, So that's Uh what I want to pursue. I want to continue the work that I do and still do uh, a lot of like public speaking and campaigning um, and different events. But I career wise, I still want to do the stuff that I do today. Um, So I do want to go to school for environmental studies um, and hopefully get a career um, either working for nonprofits that are focused on influencing policy or working for a government agency like the EPA um, or even working for a sustainability consultancy. So definitely the work that I do today has definitely (laughs) had an impact on what I want to do with my my future. I think you're well positioned and you're way ahead on the road to that. Definitely all of this must have come in the way of your family time and you mentioned some of it. So how has your family dealt with sharing you with the society for these causes? I think it definitely, while it was all happening, 
we didn't realize how much I was gone and how busy I was until the lockdowns. And I was pretty much stuck at home and I wasn't doing any of my travels anymore. When we, as a family, started realizing that I wasn't around and I you know, didn't get to watch my brother grow up as much as I would like to or spend as much time with my family uh-huh. as I would like to, especially, you know, as I'm graduating soon. Um, so I think definitely when we're all in lockdown, we spent a lot more time together. That was very much needed. Um, but I think just during it all, we didn't even realize that like, we were really oblivious to it. But um, now I definitely spend more time to make sure that I spend time with my friends and family um, because they're all that I have. Like they're, they mean so much to me and I want to appreciate them as much as I can before, you know, I do move away. Oh, absolutely. And who was the major driving force in all that you have accomplished? We have talked a lot about the what or why factors, I guess, and uh, all the challenges, but uh, who was instrumental in motivating you to do what you do? My parents are definitely huge inspirations for me and are definitely a driving reason of the person I am today. The reason I do what I do is uh, what they've taught me from a young age, and they've been so incredible in supporting me since day one and definitely believed in me before I really believed Uh in myself. Um, And they're still my number one supporters. So I'm so honored to have such incredible parents. Um, And also my brother, even though he's 10 years old, a lot of the work that I do is, you know, for him and his future um, and just for our generation as a whole. And I think what also motivates me and inspires me is seeing other young people that are doing incredible work. From a young age, I felt really alone. I felt really isolated because social media wasn't as mainstream. And seven years ago, there weren't many activists and there weren't many activists mm-hmm. in my area. There wasn't a whole lot of people like me. And so, you know, still going to school and still doing the work that I did, it was hard because my classmates and my colleagues, I mean, my classmates you know, didn't relate to me on that sense. And so I felt really alone and isolated. But you know, working with other young people and seeing that other young people are having incredible successes on their campaigns and projects definitely inspires me that there are other people out there like me and um, they're doing incredible work and we are leading the change. There are so many young people that are having such huge impacts in their communities, um, whether it's local, statewide or nationally. Fabulous. And I'm sure every uh, journey comes with some fun element or something weird that happened along the way. So is there something that you would like to, you know, just revisit, recall, share here in this forum? Oh, there's always, there's so many fun stories. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll share a couple brief ones. Um, one of the first that comes to mind was I've actually grown up watching this one, um, a couple, actually a couple activists, these activists, um, like on TV or just online. And I was truly in awe of the way that they spoke and how well they were able to correlate such an incredible team together to accomplish uh-huh. their goals. And they were such huge inspirations for me. And I looked up to them so much. And now they're both some of my close friends. And we work alongside each other, which I think is, I think younger Hannah would be so <laughs> awestruck <laughs> and be, be so excited to hear that, um, that, you know, the people that I looked up to 
are now my friends. Um, but I think something that was something that's really funny is because when I do travel a lot, so I also have a lot of like funny traveling stories. Like one time we we had a very last minute trip. Like um, I was supposed to be somewhere and I didn't receive much notice. It was, I want to say like four days notice. They told me on a Sunday and I left uh-huh. that Thursday. And it was almost like a 24-hour flight with like layovers. And we finally got there and we didn't have our suitcases. And I was speaking in around three days from when uh-huh. we landed. So we were hoping we'd get our suitcase the first the day after and it didn't arrive. And I happened to step in black tar and ruin the only pair of oh shoes I had because the rest were in the suitcase. So <laughs> um, it was, there, <laughs> that trip was a lot of fun. It's actually one of my fa- favorite places I visited to, which is Bahrain. Um, but uh, I had to wear flip-flops <laughs> and I was in the same clothes that I was wearing for you know the 24 hours of travel. And then the next day, still no suitcase. And then thankfully the morning of, of when I was supposed to speak, uh, we got our suitcase, but it was a, a hectic couple of days <laughs> trying to deal with it, but uh, thankfully it did work out in the end. Well, I can imagine your uh, mixed emotions or anxiety well, because as a teenager, <laughs> you certainly wouldn't want to get on the stage with uh, flip-flops and I yeah, mean, alone, exactly. just anyone, was- but still, um, I think at that age, uh, certain matters yeah, a lot to uh, you guys on certain aspects yeah. uh, I don't definitely and it was a it was a huge event it was televised I think like 11,000 people saw it and uh, people that were there um the prince of Bahrain was there and there was like a thousand people in that <laughs> room and I was like I cannot wear flip-flops jeans and a t-shirt <laughs> to this speech so I'm glad it worked out in the end but it was definitely <laughs> definitely a fun story to tell <laughs> i know i mean who would realize this kid is not in uh you know uh top <laughs> form or top shape because she didn't get her suitcase yeah. right you know i i can imagine uh so what is your role in taking this message internationally you know you have said you have traveled a lot so have you been to most continents in the world you know how far are you what is your role? Yeah, I've visited several countries um, to speak, but then also I have contact with so many young people all across the globe and have a network with so many individuals and groups um, in all different parts and every corner of the world. Um, so I definitely do a lot in the youth engagement aspect, inspiring other young people uh, to take action on the issues they're passionate about. It doesn't have to be you know, plastic pollution, but realizing that their voices are um, they can't activate their voices and their voices are powerful um, as long as you know they find that the talents that they're that they can use and really use it to their advantage so you know for me you know I could get up on a stage and talk and not everybody can do that um, so for other people they're better you know organizing behind the scenes or um, they like doing creative things like they like doing art or film or photography so you Find the talents that you know that you can use and utilize, and bring those forth on the table. So um, I always talk about you know inspiring young people uh, to take on the issues that they truly care about, and so um, that's definitely something that I do a lot of. That's one of my main things that I do is talking with young people, um, not just here in the U.S. but 
everywhere across the globe. And I actually am part of Ocean Heroes Boot Camp, which is an annual event with young people from all across the globe that are passionate about mainly plastic pollution. And I've been a squad leader. uh, So I've been like a camp counselor in a sense for the summer boot camp uh, for the past three years. And so I've become a mentor uh, to the kids that are in my group. So even though boot camp is like a couple of days long, I still mentor many of these kids even afterwards. Um, So I do have an offensive leadership role of mentoring a lot of young people and giving them advice or even just someone to turn to uh, when they need to talk to someone or even just uh, introducing them to my own network if they need context. Um, So that's definitely my main role um, is working with young people internationally. Oh, fabulous. And I think as far as pandemic helping or hurting what you do, I think uh, you seem to have put your time to good use even in this virtual world and, you know, you have still accomplished yes. Um, yes, everything a lot has, of stuff. Everything has moved pretty much virtually, I think, as we all realize, uh-huh. like, oh, we're going to be like this for a long time. Um, this is not going to be a couple of weeks. Uh, as far as seeing the positive and uh, driving it towards success in other areas, I think that's you are on the right path. And I know you have some donation efforts going on um, on your website for marginalized students. Can you talk about that? Of course. So I recently published a book called Taking on the Plastics Crisis. And um, it's with the publishing company uh, Penguin Random House. And the book is for young adults, um, pretty much middle school, high school age students, uh, but really any ages. So it talks about my story, um, how I got involved in activism, but it's mainly talking about plastic pollution. And it's a quick read for people that understand you know, the basics of plastic pollution and how it's impacting our oceans, our own health, but also why recycling and cleanups are not the solution. They're great, but that's not the ultimate solution. We have to implement, you know, stop plastic coming from the source and instead of, you know, the cleanup efforts. Uh, so. I talk about those. I also talk about solutions of like, um, you know, stopping single-use plastics um, in your own daily life. Um, But then I also share some inspiring stories of other young people that are achieving um, incredible things in the plastics pollution space um, from all across the globe. So uh, I published that back in October. And alongside the publishing date, I've also been running a campaign to um, collect donations so that I can sponsor my book to schools and marginalized communities. So I do have a spot on my website uh, for donations and uh, we're trying to donate books to as many schools as possible. Um, and the reason we, I chose marginalized communities uh, as most important to donate to is because a lot of times the kids in those communities don't get the opportunity to hear that their voices are valid. Even though the book is mainly about plastic pollution, it's mainly a youth empowerment book to arm themselves with the knowledge the issue they care about and do something about it. And um, also talking about other young people that have achieved great work in the book too. Uh, and even just seeing, you know, someone that looks like them um, on the cover, I think is also, you know, representation truly matters. And that was something that I didn't grow up a ton with, but I'm so glad that my brother is. Um, he's growing up with a lot more representation now as we're realizing that our world is so much more diverse <laughs> So I definitely wanted to make sure that I can be able to 
to donate these books into these schools because a lot of times they they're harder hit, um, and especially with the pandemic, you know, they a lot of schools had budget cuts, and they otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity. Um, so that's the main uh, campaign that I've been working on is to help collect donations and uh, to provide to schools that are in need. Okay, kudos to you for doing that. Again, that's hannahforchange.com. That's where people can go and donate. Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, numeric 4, C-H-A-N-G-E.com. And um, I guess that's your Instagram handle as well, correct? Yes, Hannah for Change. Okay, fantastic. And how can we get the next generation to care for our oceans? And how can people uh, become ocean literate and understand the human connection? I know you have done something on that. Yeah, our our oceans are in crisis, but many people don't know how to get involved or don't understand the issues that are happening. Like, for instance, plastic pollution, there'll be more plastic in the ocean than fish by weight in 2050. And I talked about like cleanups and having your own personal footprint, reducing plastic pollution has a huge impact. You said 2050? Yeah, 2050. By 2050, there'll be more plastic in the ocean than fish by weight. Um, And so I worked, um, I was able to play a role in developing a school curriculum about ocean conservation, um, and that's with uh, the group Students Rebuild and Global Nomads as part of their Ocean Challenge. So we developed a curriculum for all age schools. There's two versions, one for a younger age group and one for an older age group to talk about ocean conservation and develop a campaign for them to start on helping to protect our oceans, like plastic pollution, that's a huge issue for oceans, but even uh, issues like climate change, um, coral reef uh, bleaching, as obviously sea level rise and the ocean acidification that we're seeing. And if our oceans die, we die too. So it's so important that especially young people learn about these issues and their solutions because by the time we're old enough to be in positions of power and make the decisions to protect our planet and our oceans, it's going to be too late. So that's why it's so crucial for young people to learn about these issues now and speak up on them now so that we can inspire more policy and legislation um, or initiatives to be done to help better protect our oceans. And so you uh, created videos for teachers to use in their curriculum and you help help them uh, take it forward that way, correct? Yes. Yeah. So there's, there's videos that are part of it. There's also um, like brochures and other infographics. Uh, there's a ton of info on their website with a ton of different uh, links and resources that are available for teachers to use. Fantastic. Can you give us a, you know, answer on how you felt when you got that call from this renowned publishing house when you wrote your book? Because I just want this to, again, you know, like for people, for you to draw inspiration from this. And that's my goal. Yeah, I was definitely crazy. I first learned about it through an email. I got an email from someone saying, I love your work and we would love for you to be a part of the Penguin team. And so later we got in a call and I think I was just so in awe because I never envisioned writing a book, um, maybe like down the line. And even though I talk about, you know, youth activism uh-huh. and not waiting until you're older, I think I even de- predetermined that I, you know, I wouldn't do that. I can't, I can't do that as a young person. 
So I think even for me, that was something that was a learning moment for me. I was like, wow, I really can do something at any age. Uh, like I wrote the book uh, when I was 17 and I published it right before my 18th birthday. Um, so it was truly incredible. It was a lot of fun to write. Um, but yeah, that, that moment I think was very pivotal for me and even just a self-reflecting moment as well. Awesome. And it's, a, uh, and it's part of a series of pocketbook collections, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so it's part of a series called the Pocket Change Collective, and it's different activists uh, talking about the different issues that they're focused on and they're passionate about. Uh, one of my friends wrote one, Chu Tescott, he wrote one on climate change that are part of the collective. There's some on like LGBTQ rights or uh, racism and gun violence, uh, feminism. So there's a ton of different issues um, that all these activists are passionate about. And we're having, I think I was the sixth book to come out and there's two more coming out next year. So they keep adding to the collective, which I'm so happy about. Okay. And that's fantastic. And Taking on the Plastics is available on Amazon.com. And uh, is it also available as an ebook? It is. It's available as an ebook as well as an audiobook. Um, I did actually do the recording of <laughs> me um, reading the audiobook. So if you'd like to, you can hear me uh, read my book. Um, but yeah, it is available everywhere. Um, but the best place is to find it online. Um, and see if your local places have it as well. Okay. I think I would strongly encourage every listener here to support that uh, because those uh, marginalized students would also get to benefit from the donation efforts. And uh, what is your message to the community, youth, children in particular, on goal setting and accomplishment uh, or as to how you go about it? And what is your message in general to the society? There's a great quote that I love from Robert Swan, and he says, the greatest threat to our planet is the belief that somebody else will save it. Uh And I think that's so important because I think a lot of times we think that we're not important enough. Our voices are not valid enough to make an impact, but we all play a key role in everything. Um, But for such huge issues like this, it's going to take all of us coming together collectively and something a quote that I love is that the weight of the world is not as heavy if we all lift it together it's going to really take all of us doing our part um such as you know not taking a reasonable uh, I mean not taking plastic bags from the store um and you know helping with legislation and influencing businesses but every little bit does count and does make an impact um it's going to take all of us so it's so important for you to get involved and learn more and ask yourself, like, what can I do? And then do it. Um, don't let yourself limit the work that you can do. Um, so, yeah, I, that's that's my message for young people. Excellent. I think you have inspired me to do more, and it, it just makes me want to do more uh, for the uh, causes that pertain to society. And uh, thank you so much, Hannah, for being on the show. And I thoroughly enjoyed having this conversation with you. And as a takeaway from this program, I definitely would like for people um, to want to feel inspired and do more for society and for the causes that impact society. And like you said, not wait for others to do it, you know, just Uh, take it upon yourself and bring your own bag to the grocery store, fill your own water bottles, do not use plastics and, uh, you know, follow good recycling practices. And uh, 
wish you the very best in your future endeavors and we'll constantly keep checking back with you. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Before I sign off, folks, I'd like to remind you to follow the podcast at Fresh Leaf Forever on Instagram at Fresh Leaf Forever One on Twitter. I'll see you back again next week with another interesting guest and another interesting topic. Until then, it's Vi saying bye bye for now. <music>